Welcome to the Get Wired Podcast, presented by CED Vero Beach. Join us as we make new connections, share our outlooks on business as well as life, and provide a new look at the wholesale electrical supply industry from the inside out. This is the Get Wired Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Burkhart. Welcome back to this special episode of the Get Wired podcast, where we interview not only one, but two influential people in the technology department here at CED Vero Beach. So on the one hand, we have Jeff Hannabeth. He, uh, he's the director of IT with CED at, at corporate headquarters, and, and he rolls out a lot of the programs that we deal with and, and integrate with on a daily basis. And on the other hand, we have Dan Byers, who's like the guinea pig slash beta tester of all these new things that come out and he's really excited about every new piece of technology that comes out today's one of those episodes where you get to dive deep into the technology into the little tech hacks and get a little behind the scenes look about how cd thinks about these things as they come up and how you can participate in the not only the voting of them to make them come up more but also uh you know being one of the first people to try it out so really tune into this episode it'll help you greatly in your profit center I'll start with you, Jeff. Um, you know, you've been with CED for seven years, which is the exact amount of time that I've been in, in Vero Beach. Uh, before that, you you had various consulting positions at, at other IT companies for you know, about 13 years or so. Graduated from the University of Ohio, OHIO. Um, before that, you went to uh, the University of Houston. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to have you on board. And I was just hoping you could give us a little bit of background, a little bit of, of your you know, a snapshot of your experience with CED so far. I've loved it. It's been a unique travel, especially since uh, in the IT organization, it's a little bit different. You know, CED has a unique business model, no matter how you look at it. For, for IT, for me, it was a, a, a fresh breath of a new way to look at uh, implementing technologies, as well as, I'll be honest, somewhat of a green field coming in with such old technologies when I, when I first got in here. Uh, you know, I, I started off actually doing a consulting gig. I was actually a, a partner at a consulting firm, and we had sold into CED to do a couple uh, initiatives. One of the first ones, if you remember, the uh, My CED Portal, which uh, brought some of the financial reports to the uh, to the online presence as opposed to being boxed up and FedExed out to every location. <laughs> and it was only 2012 where we got that solved. And uh, apparently some of them actually would go out in full copier boxes. So imagine the FedEx bill on getting your P&Ls every month uh, that way. So after that, we, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to comment that when I first started in 2010, yeah. that, that is how we actually received the these P&Ls. They would come in the mail once a month and everyone would get all excited and gather around and check it out. You get your GLDs, you get all that paperwork. And then I also mm -hmm. remember starting in this company with uh, what was called TUI, which is the text user interface. It was basically like MS-DOS. And- I remember uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, well, we you know, we have a Cardex sitting in our data center just to remind us where we could be. Some people like to call it a disaster recovery uh, situation, but uh, it's important to remember where you came from. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So one of the questions that we talked about when this very first came out with my division manager was, uh, at least when we were mailing these things to the PC, we we assumed that people were opening them and looking at them. But now that they're just in the digital ether and somebody has to actually go and, and, you know, take the initiative to go look at it and be proactive about it, is there a way to test to see, like, how many percentages of managers are actually opening those documents and looking at each thing every single month? Well, they're, they're, we always run audit trails, but no one is actively looking at it. I mean, it's just a bunch of data that stores up. No one is trying to micromanage a, a PC branch. 
Now, for security reasons, we we definitely have a, an audit trail uh, for every touch, just to make sure that anybody who has access should. And if something were to go wrong, we'd be able to at least be able to do our due diligence to figure out what to. So no one's actually we don't have reports that run on top of it. No. So I could kind of see this going both ways, right? You got a store that's underperforming and the manager's like, hey, you never look at your reports or a store that's like just killing it every month and they have no idea. They look at them every quarter or whatever. And the, and the manager's like, how are you doing so well when you don't look at your yeah. reports? You know, yeah. It could kind of go both ways. Exactly. And so on the flip side of things, we have what's uh, called the customer portal, which is a very customer focused thing that uh, I'm sure you guys have all sorts of analytics mm-hmm. on. I'd hope to dive in a little deep on that and see what... Uh, See if we can get out of it today. Oh, we've, yeah, that we've, we've gone and deployed a full Google Analytics too, and continue to hook it in more in germane ways for us and are looking for more ways to hook it in to see what, from your perspective, you know, the interaction digitally for a customer is one thing, but understanding the customers that are coming in as, as our employees do before they get there is really the goal, right? And if you marry those two together, then we can tailor situations and experiences that will get them the information that they're looking for. We've already brokered the vast majority of the data out there. We continue to refine it and, and improve it in areas like job management um, and look to, to incorporate uh, things like smart sheets. I don't know if you're familiar with those. We can talk about those later. Uh, but, really, but really what we're looking to do is, and have been doing is pushing all the data that is possible for us to push up into the customer portal. Now, figuring out the right context and the right customers present different chunks of that information to in a meaningful manner is what I think we will continue to refine for the rest of our lives. Well, way after Dan's retired. Yeah, hopefully. We'll need you to pick up the torch there, Mike. And I'm happy to do it. You know, hey, I'm on board to do whatever it takes. I think that's what's so cool about CED as a company is they really allow us as managers and local profit centers to be so involved in the process. Absolutely. And, and, and empower, you know, the, the field is definitely empowered to, to be their own success. I mean, it's one of the reasons that people aren't worried and, it's, and it, to be honest, it's countercultural for us to have a report that would actually be micromanaging and monitoring who's looking for reports. Might be interesting, but I think our hesitation would be to keep that business model and that freedom of choice out in the field active. In the- I mean, 100%. That's what draws me to CED as a company and keeps me coming back every day is we have 100% control of what we buy, who we sell to, you know, what kind of technologies we're willing to roll out in our own location. I mean, how do you feel about that, Dan? Is that why you work for CD? Yeah, yeah I, that's one of the reasons why I think I'm still here because that's the main, that's the main purpose of this. I mean, obviously, as the company gets bigger, and I was at lunch today with uh, Steve Bernards and Josh Rogers, and, and the conversation kind of steered towards, you know, how do we get information searchable on the customer portal and other areas very easy for our customers? Is that we kind of all have to be on the same page, and right now there's so many different PCs that have. Their, their materials and the way they write it up differently. Even though we're supposed to all have the same, you know, vendor UPC codes, we don't. We always, everything's different, everybody's computer. And that makes Jeff's hard as he a job very hard to manage all those different PCs and say, hey guys, unless we all come together, it's gonna be very difficult for our customer portal probably to give a good search function. Am I right with that, Jeff? Oh, you're absolutely right. And the, and the challenge for IT isn't just, dealing with it. It's trying to help figure out a way to solve it without disrupting the business model. Right. So, you know, there we're looking at putting out tools. Uh, today, actually, in the, the green tech area, we've got a new tool set that uh, allows, you know, we have SMEs. Are you, you, you both familiar with SMEs where we do SPA processing for multiple pro- uh, profit yep. centers all within 
solving resource. Subject matter. So take expert. that type of resource. Absolutely. There we go. Take that type of resource and give them another tool set. You know, I'm not saying in their spare time. I know they're very busy individuals and we have to, to balance the workload of how many heads this takes, but the green tech region has been able to standardize using a new SME tool, which allows somebody from a central resource to manage every single PC in that region and look into their LPFs and identify the ones that are not mapped correctly to the standard product file and maps them for them without a PC having to lift a finger. And they can do it on a single screen for 50 PCs all at once. So it's finding those efficiencies to accomplish a goal without disrupting the, the business model. And there's not a single point of freedom taken away from that PC. If they want to go in there and dirty up the room again, have, you know, have it, you know, have at it. But I would assume that a division manager is probably going to put a financial compensation in there at some point to say, hey, what, you know what, you're going to pay for every SKU because it's a central resource, right? That's our business model. Right. So that's where I see some of the, the challenges. But yet, to be honest, I, I love the challenge because we get to creatively use technology to solve problems in different ways than I think many companies do. Yeah. Can we deep dive a little bit into a subject matter expert? You know, how you find them, you know, how many PCs they can handle, all those kind of things. Because I know myself specifically and some other PC managers I've spoken to, right. we could really benefit from the, you know, the experience and just quite frankly, the time outside the PC of somebody on the outside looking in. Well, you, you, you definitely, Dan, you may know better than me. Well, basically, yeah, this is this is where it comes down to, Mike, where your division manager or you as a PC manager create that yourself. So that subject matter expert is like, I've got somebody in my office who, let's say I want to kind of do that with, and then I can reach out to other offices in my division or my division manager and say, hey, I think it'd be beneficial. Let's do this and share that resource. Um I know we're kind of looking at it right now, even though it's only three of us from an SPA standpoint. Um, but, you know, you just have to be comfortable. And I don't know how many PC managers are letting one person have access to a bunch of different numbers and trying to keep that, you know, anonymity uh, at each other's location without getting too cross-ridden with stuff, you know. So I think that's the biggest thing for most guys is they're afraid that whatever information that subject manager has is going to get passed on to the other guys going to be somebody on your staff that you think can take on that kind of role uh, yeah probably at, at I, I the level, at corporate level they're not going to supply that resource um, it's somebody that that division is going to have to say hey do you have anybody or maybe it's an accounts payable clerk that's only working part-time but is really good and she can do spas and maybe even manage some matrices and then that would be something presented to the division, say, hey, I've got this part-timer, but in order to get her another four hours a day, a couple hours a week, let's train her to be that subject manager, you know, expert in that, that field. Um, so yeah, again, that's the thing with CED, it comes down to you, as you know. So if you want it, you're gonna have to create it. But if you create it, then some more likely another manager you know is gonna want to see value in that resource and then share that with you. And then obviously you, that's how you get compensated. So you might, you just might have to make that investment first. <laughs> well, no, I was, I was going to agree with Dan, you know, and, and partner up with your division because there may be somebody in your division and there may be other people that are looking for it. So, you know, creating it yourself, you've got that resource, you know, have at it because that's where we see a lot of them being homegrown. The other is just collaborative. You know, your next division meeting, talk to, to the folks around you and see if they've got one of those. You may not have one right now. They may have one. Talk about the idea of being able to willing to share the cost. That may nudge them in the right direction for them to build it. You get the benefit. You you invest in it. They invest in it. And you guys get a shared, you know, uh, benefit out of it. 
I talk about this all the time with Travis Rowland from, uh, you know, Mercedes Electric out of Miami. And we talk about, you know, having mm-hmm. remote users, having remote access for inside sales, outside sales, uh, PO people, you know, purchasing agents, um, SMEs. We're all about that whole experience of somebody, you know, working from home, being able to jump in and handle just certain aspects of our business. I know it's sensitive. I know it's confidential. But if you find the right person, is that something you're seeing becoming more and more prevalent throughout the company? Yeah, I mean, the, the difference in technologies is a remote access versus an SME tool. An SME tool is a specifically designed tool, with, which is a web interface, which doesn't require a VPN connection and all some of those additional headaches because it's really just a touch point through the, the web portal to manipulate small pieces of information. You know, with, with CDNet, we lock it down a little bit more because that's keys to the kingdom. And so you have to create a VPN connection and you're actually dialing in to that PC. So you're dependent on that PC having an internet connection, whereas the SME tools, to be honest, are in a you know, re- fully redundant you know, uh, data bunker type uh, data center. Um, and so they're most likely not going to go down and they can make transactional changes and the system itself will wait for the individual PC to come back up. So they're really two different strategies of why you'd use those tools. Uh, remote access can be used to run an SME for a small set of PCs. I would say once you get past two, you pretty much need to look at SRP. SRP has some additional tools that are designed specifically for high volume creation. So some of them are like scheduling tools. An SME can set up a schedule across all the profit centers that they manage. And it could be for the Square Ds to run on Monday, you know, and, and another manufacturer on Tuesday, so on and so forth. So they can kind of focus their days and set up their schedule. And as soon as they process those, they become available for the PC managers to review back in CDNet, and, and away you go. So I'd say remote access is about two. Now, remote access also has many other uses, right? A PC manager wants to change a matrix, why is it home? No problem. Remote access. Yeah, exactly. So they're really two, yeah. So they're two different purpose tools uh, to accomplish two different goals. And we're looking to expand on some of the SME tools. You know, today we've got the the LPF maintenance that I talked about, obviously the SPA, the end of stock cost files, which is going to become another important reason, you know, for for folks to to look at these SMEs because with replacement costs coming out, are both you guys familiar with the replacement cost update we did in CDNet? I am. Yep. So, well, so one of the base the base benefits of the uh, the replacement or not base benefits, sorry. One of the easy ways in order to implement replacement cost is, is to uh, use into stock cost files to set up your, your basis. So obviously, if you're looking at replacement cost, the whole intent is to, you know, nothing to hide anything. Uh-oh, I got my long guy coming up front. It's going to get a little nicer. Right. Can you hear him or no? So, Mike, that might be a, a good topic for another podcast is the SME SRP remote user and the differences and how to utilize those differences, you know, and, and make them work for your, your PC. Yeah. I'm hundred percent on board. I need to learn more about it. Yeah. Well, we, we have an SME to, you know, one of the, you know, Lawrence Magali. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I keep forgetting we're on camera. I, I have a, I, I have to walk and talk. So I got, I'm going to walk in circles. It's going to happen. I'm like a dog. <laughs> yeah. So I, I walk like a dog. Um, Lawrence Magali actually hosts for for my group. He hosts uh, an SME where they all come in town. Unfortunately, we just had it uh, a week or so ago, but that's actually a circuit of folks, and they share email addresses, they share ideas. Uh, I believe they, I think, I think they still use the uh, 
the my CD to do a, a collaborative site on uh, stuff out there. Um, but that may be something good to hook into as well, because I mean they're this the subject matter experts of subject matter experts. Right. I we'll think this Lawrence is kind of how Terminator. <laughs> so I mean, who are these people? How do we find them? What do they look like? How would we develop a dis- job description for them and and go after and actively pursue somebody who's in this role that could be successful for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when, at lunch today we were talking a little bit about that, and Stephen mentioned that I think the Pacific Northwest has it uses the SRP, and they have a person that does forty offices doing they do their spas and something else. So. I can't remember who the division manager is up there, but you might have your, you know, division manager check with them and see how they got that implemented. But um, I know they're pretty active in in that in that area, sharing that resources and having that subject matter expert on hand. I mean, I know here in Vero Beach, uh, you know, we have we had some traditional SPA issues that keep resurfacing. I know my Slovenia SPAs are not a hundred percent what they should be. They need to be revamped completely. And that's something that I personally just haven't had time to dedicate to or have, you know, I don't say that very often. I haven't made it a priority enough to to make it a a priority for us to go in there and really spend the time to do it. I'm looking for somebody that can do this remotely. Exactly. You know, I don't care if they're sitting in their pajamas at home or if they're checking in at an office or a profit center every day. Um, I just want somebody to check this out remotely and be able to handle it. Um, so I, I've heard a rumor <laughs> that uh, there might may or may not be a help desk employee that's out now at oh, SME. Yeah. And um, right. I was just kind of curious if you could paint a picture of somebody that would be ideal for that so that we can visualize them. And then when we see the person in front of us, we'll actually kind of know what they would look like just by having that mental picture of what the ideal candidate for this position would be. I, I don't have any more key resources that I'm looking to offer up as sacrifice to go back out because RG was a loss for us. But uh, uh, no. Margie was one of them, and she's great, um, and she's actually growing. She was at the subject matter expert group. Um, you know, there are, there. I mean, there are a couple others, but... We want names, Jeff. We want like names. A, a Lawrence. I know. <laughs> you know, Lawrence would be great at it, but Lawrence also for the company is great at what he does with implementation. Exactly. Um, so... I, and I guess this individual would run the risk of doing such a great job. They kind of uh, work themselves out of a job. You know, they, if they do such good maintenance and maintain it really well and set you up to, you know, to hit the ground running, you might not need them for another six months or so. I mean, is that something that uh, has come up with the SMEs or they always find a way to stay busy? There's going to be the next tool I'm going to roll out. Now there's there's maintenance of the LPFs. There's the next pieces. There's the job management. of. I mean, dude, there's going to be... This is not a role, and, and you know, and I, I'm I definitely do not want to try to encourage the the field to grow uh, cost expenses at division levels. That's not my intent of my, my phraseology here, but I definitely think that as technology is emerging and there's some things that need care and feeding, finding subject matter experts to do it more efficiently and cheaper on the first implementation is going to be much easier than us putting into place, you know, like the avocado. You know, that's it's ultimately another channel you have to listen to. And and what happens when you need to go, you know, that salesperson's offline, you know, somebody else has to respond to it or, or whatever it may be. Right. Um, I, I definitely don't think the subject matter experts should ever be fearful of their type of role because that's the new emerging role going away from a, an administrative uh, uh, aspect of how we run our businesses. So you want to jump into this customer portal thing, sir? <laughs> Yeah, let's jump into the customer portal. I mean, let's pretend that there's some people listening that have no idea what it is. 
Um, I've used it for the last year or so. We've set up probably maybe, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 customers on it. Dan, I'm sure you're far ahead of that. And everybody should start rolling this out. Um, how many do you have, Dan? <laughs> I got a good chunk. So, so that we started on the customer portal journey uh, a few years back, uh, looking to replace the Shop CD uh, technology. Um, you know, Shop CD was more of an e-commerce focused point solution in order to capture an order or give a quick presentation of some piece of information that we had, whether it be an invoice or a statement at any given time after it was published and, and already mailed out. The customer portal was really, and the, the reason we didn't call it e-commerce and called it customer portal was to draw attention to the fact that we're really looking for something to build a contextual relationship through technology with the customer portal by offering information, whether it be the same old stuff of being able to search for products and, and being able to submit an order, obviously. I mean, that's that's the table stakes, right, in order to get people in the restaurant. But also bringing in the, the pizzazz, right? The ability to download a price file that can be uploaded into their uh, quoting system. Um, being able to go out and pay their invoices on that. Being able to download their invoices into one of, I think it's 30 different formats in uh, uh, different financial systems, including QuickBooks, which is a, a very common one I, you know, for a lot of our customers in that small to medium tier contractor size. Um, and providing those types of touch points that are way above and beyond what, what the historical system could provide. Now, obviously, obviously along with it, because submitting orders and, and searching for products is table stakes, we also did upgrades there looking at focusing on how we get better attributed data as opposed to just a short description, long description, which is what the Shop CD site does. We've gone down the path of actually fully attributing it both purchasing as well as augmenting data ourselves to provide more of a golden copy of SKUs. And that's a journey, right? You know, because if you think of all the different locations and the freedom to be able to buy whatever inventory from whoever they want at any time, you know, that's a lot of SKUs that we have to cover as in comparison. You know, we talked about my, my start, you know, my, my view of IT when it comes to CD and how it's unique. And this is another scenario, right? Being able, you know, if you take one of our competitors, you know, uh, a McCormick's or an Elliott or, or even a Gray Bar, you know, one of the, the, the big boxers, um, you know, they're probably looking at 100, the, the big ones, Gray Bar is probably looking at 150, 200,000 to maybe 250,000 SKUs at most that they're going to have to cover because they're pretty homogeneous, right? They're carrying the same gear lines, they're carrying the same wire lines, so on and so forth. You know, you kind of some of the smaller competitors like Platt or Elliott, and they're, man, they're tickled pink when they got to 45, 60,000 SKUs that they had fully attributed in order to, to feed a search engine like this. I mean, across our boards, we're more in the 800, 900,000 SKUs. Um, when we really look at all the stock and non-stock we push, and it's just because, well, and it's the success. Again, this is not something I want to change. My, 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 my solution here isn't to tell you guys to all line up and stock the same stuff. That's not the solution. That'd be horrible for us. My solution, you got to bear down, grit our teeth, and find different ways for us to get this information, which is why we've modified from the historical mindset of CED, which was we'll buy trade service data and we're done, to that, that, doesn't, that doesn't complete the picture. Let's buy trade service. It's a great base. Don't get me wrong. Well, let's start going after manufacturer direct. You know, we did that with a lot of pilots within the solar business because none of their information really comes through trade. Um, started building up some templates that we could send out and different ways we could pull information uh, in, as well as we built up a team that goes out and, if need be, will hand scrape information off manufacturer sites 
and, and pull it in. Um, as well, <laughs> it's not it's not the most interesting job. I couldn't do it. I you know I can't I can barely stand still for for twenty minutes. So I, I wouldn't be good at just sitting in, a, in front of a computer typing in data. Uh, but one of the other areas that we thought of is tapping into our rich resources out in the field. And so we actually have a new uh, portal. It kind of falls a little bit into the subject matter expert, but I'll keep it just there so we don't get sidetracked um, type role where the field can actually help us to attribute by opening up this PC workspace for a particular manufacturer that we can assign out to a particular individual and say, if you've got information that you want to get in here quick and fast, my timelines here in IT land based on priorities of X, Y, and Z aren't, aren't meeting your needs. I don't want to say no. I want to say, here's another option and being able to pull some of that in. Now, I know this may be, be heard by a lot more people than just us. So I want to kind of set expectation there is we aren't looking to have, you know, a person out of every PC or even a person out of every division be a contributor to, to the, uh, the product catalog. What we are looking for is to concentrate that more down to like the 2025 type, you know, range of individuals that we gain access to and have true subject matter experts is whether it's lighting or whether it's, you know, Square D or whether it's Rockwell or whether it's solar, you know, solar has two individuals that, that helps us to, to populate their standard product. Uh, we'd love to expand that or the elevator group. There's another one that we're, that we're piloting with. Sounds good. That helps us get information. In. Yeah. And Dan, what's been your experience with it so far? Well, we were approached, I think with the, the beta launch of, uh, shop CD site um, and we looked at it you know as a way to you know hopefully keep phone calls about getting an invoice a copy of an invoice we took that one little segment of what what the portal could do or shop CD could do was to get that invoice to that customer quicker than we could um, and that's how we kind of really pushed it we didn't utilize it or push it on our customers as hey here's a place where you can place orders with us and we can get them you know and at that time, I want to say Shop CD, it was like every 30 minutes to an hour, it would ping the system. And then you would get the order about that, you know, an hour later after the person actually put it in. Um, but going to the new shift with the customer portal, um, you know, that's within seconds. You know, so that's, that's helped us get more orders through online. But we really use it as a way to get the customer's invoices to them. And they could get their invoices whenever they wanted. That's how we sold it originally was you know, convenience factor. You don't have to call us. You can get your invoice at midnight if you want it. You know, you can make sure it's correct and all that other good stuff. So at right out of the gate, it started eliminating a lot of phone calls we would get about, hey, I need a proof of delivery or I need a, I need a copy of my invoice or a copy of my statement. So then we just started building it on there. Once, once the accounting person in the office started using the customer portal, then it was easier to get the guys in the field to look at it on the, you know, the representatives of the company looking at it for more aspects of it versus just that. So, yeah, I think for us, that's about 70% of our usage. Um, there was a couple customers that wanted to really use the function of ordering. So we went through the extra, you know, time and, I, and you know, Jeff's group helped us create catalogs. And originally you could only have one catalog um, per account, but now we can set up several different catalogs for one person which makes it easier for that, for us to set up a catalog for that customer if we want, you know, remotely. And then when they log in, they don't have to search a ton of database. They can search a specific catalog for whatever they're looking for. That makes it easier for them to order online. And then we did with five customers, what we did was we gave them a 2% rebate 
at the end of the month towards any web order that they placed. And since we can track those, we were able to go back and say, you know, hey, thanks for the, you know, five thousand dollars of web orders. Here's your here's your two percent back. You know, kind of like a credit card thing. Um, yeah, and that would get them using it. That would get them using it. And once they got more familiar with the product, then it became you know more secondhand. Yeah, that was complete. Yeah, we just called it a website ordering discount. And we want a credit or, you know, to them. And some guys, you know, I'd get gift cards to them in that amount or whatever it was. Whatever they wanted, we would get it to them in some degree. But that's how we got some usage out of some people or, you know, introductory usage to some people. Well, once they get started, then it becomes, you know, easier. And I think, you know, for a PC, one, you got to have somebody on your staff. If it's not the PC manager, somebody who understands the customer portal enough to be able to sell it to the customer. We still have to sell this product. It's not, it's not a product that's just going to be out there and work on its own. As a manager, as a PC person, you have to be out there really trying to you know, promote that product line um, to that customer and let them know how convenient it can be. I think right now we mainly use it for the invoices and the statements. Every once in a while, a customer gets frisky and tries to make a quote or an order on there, but then they always call right afterwards and freak out. Like, well, I think there's different areas. I mean, the the, the contextual relationship between a customer and a distributor is, is a wide spectrum, right? So I think that there are some areas that we're ahead of. Like, if have you heard of ArcLight and some of the software we're building to help small contractors run their business? I think we're way there. You know, us playing catch up with attributing our product data because of our unique business situations and us starting late. No, we still need to play catch up. So it's hard for me to say yes or no. I think there's areas that were more innovative than others. I think that our business model will succeed overall and our commitment to technology will succeed overall. But I still think that I'm not letting my guard down and we're still plowing, you know, 100 miles ahead. And that arc light, I think that's a, another discussion for another podcast. That's a great, that's a great little product we've been putting out. And, I, I, you know, I like it. And I've got a couple of customers who are kind of working through it right now. Um, and unfortunately, as Jeff knows this, as the train goes by, <laughs> it, you know, it all comes down to that search function. And the easier we can make that search function for the end user, the, the more traction we're going to get with those product lines, whether it's the portal or ArcLight or any other thing that, you know, we put out there in front of them. Searching for product is, is the, the number one thing that is our Achilles heel. And I think that's for anybody that's doing this type of product. So I use it right now just mainly as like a way to find spec sheets on hard to find items or even like simple items like a Q0120 or, you know, maybe even like a, a panel board or a breaker that I don't necessarily represent, but I want to get the customer the information they need. And I just go on there, type it in, and it comes up with a beautiful, nice spec sheet. You know, you can do that in CDNet. Oh, you can? I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yes, you can do it right in CDNet. And we're bridging the gap. If you go to the uh, the same record in the LPF, there's actually a link over to the customer portal since you have it set up. For any users who don't have the customer portal set up, it doesn't work. But since you do, then there's a, a connection over to that that you can actually pull basically what your customer sees. I learn something new every single day, Jeff. It's new. And we, we bridge the gap. We want to get it more integrated. To be honest, we want to we want to create the same search experience for somebody at the counter as an employee that we have for the customer, but we want to make sure we finish and get the customer ones right. They Customers will, right? So they get the first blush, but we did start bridging the gap there and bringing those two technologies together. So the one thing I always hear from customers, even whether it's like text or anything like that, is that it's, it's very difficult to 
to order anything other than verbally because the you know there's so many related items to what the customer is dealing with and the example i always get is like if they need a male adapter or a three inch male adapter or pvc male adapter they also need a, a three inch lock nut and a three inch plastic bushing and for us we just write it down you know male adapter lock nut bushing and we type it up under three different part numbers right mm-hmm. but if they had ordered online they would have to drill down into three different categories of you know uh, the PVC male adapters, then the lock nuts, and then the plastic bushings and get them on there. Is there some sort of related documents or related products at the bottom or some way to link all these things together so that you're in one category and you can kind of find it all? There, there is one, and that's part of the, the attributed data. And actually, we're, we're building more libraries. And that, that, you know, there's there's two steps to what I would call attributing a portfolio, right? One is you got to get the, the attributes about it. Is it a half inch? Is it a three quarter inch? You know, but then there's also some ancillary data. Like, what's a synonym for it? You know, you call it a fan box. You know, someone else calls it a something, a pancake, right? Yeah, the jargon that goes into it, which which is basically when somebody says I want to verbally order it, they're like, you know, hey, I, I need a, a pancake. Well, you know, we, we don't want the search site taking them over to Denny's, <laughs> so we we got to figure out what product that relates to in our world. Um, and so we're building up those and we've actually put a new PIM. When we started this process down the fully attributed data, we put in a new PIM that has many different areas uh, to capture information above and beyond just technical attribution, including the jargon, including the cross-reference, the upsells, um, and those those aspects is, is we, we're going to need into it. Now, the data sources for those are not as easy sometimes to get at. Obviously, jargon is the one that's difficult. You know, jargon's in heads. Now we have, uh, you know, put out a couple pieces, and especially as we talk about this PC um, PC workspace uh, that we're looking to give, you know, the field some access to give us information about products that you guys know better than us. Uh, we start to look to capture it there, um, but we're definitely and purchasing more information. Uh, NAED has come out with a new product called XCheck, uh, which allows you to do cross reference uh, around it. I was just running over the contract today to sign that. That's just going to buy a crud ton of data all at once. We'll be able to upload since we've got the new system. So that'll be good. We're looking for other data sources like that. It's not, I wouldn't say that it's finished. I won't set anybody's expectation that we're done there. Again, we've still got to do it. And we got to do it for more SKUs than our competition. So we got to work a little bit harder. We're, we're definitely on it. Yeah. So, Mike, I mean, back to your point about getting the customer on this. Again, if we have somebody at the PC level who understands how the portal actually works, and what it's capable of, then it makes it easier to go to that customer. Let's say you have a customer that does track homes and they're going to be doing a lot of bundling. You know, you can create that bundle within, you know, the customer portal already for them to make it easier for them to just to go get that one catalog. So they don't have to search all over the place. But if you don't understand how the portal works on the back end a little bit, you're not going to be able to sell that feature to the customer other than, well, you just go here and you order. And so... We have to educate ourselves on the customer portal as, as, as you know, as we do sales with anything else. We want to educate ourselves on the lighting. We want to educate ourselves on gear. We also have to educate ourselves on this technology that's available to us to use or we won't be able to use it properly. And we'll get frustrated. And if we're frustrated at the PC level, I can guarantee you the customer's frustrated at his level. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jeff, what information do you have that you can share of how many profit centers are actually using this and uh, how many are up and running with it versus you know, throughout the whole company, how many could really jump on it? Sites, well, let's we start. The, the, the technology is currently holding 400 and some odd sites, individual profit centers. Um, now, that's obviously within varying degrees of usage. 
the, the, the adoption is still slow. Um, one is because the business models are different. The customer bases are different too, is we don't do a top-down push. I think Dan's right. You know, we've got to look in and learn and I'm looking for ways that we can better communicate because again, we're not going to do, I, I, I sit here in the Dallas space and get to, to really see how some of our competitors interact with our profit center today. So, you know, Crawford is right around the corner from the service center. So, you know, I, I think I was out in Euless and, and I know out in Dallas and, you know, their customers are bringing in these flyers where somebody from IT at Crawford is going out doing campaigns and setting up tents at their branches and doing these pushes to educate their, their customers on how to leverage some of these new technologies. Now, let, let's think about that for a minute in our context, right? Do you want somebody from IT to really be interacting with your customer and trying to, to push them in one direction or another? I, I wouldn't if I was one of you guys, right? But you, I am looking for ways to better educate the field so that if they have the desire and they have the customer base who's looking for this, this type of technology and how we can better educate you guys. And this is where I see kind of a, a, a cross between a subject matter expert and really user communities within CED, you know, um, being able to create folks who really do become and build up uh, a good web presence. Because um, some of that's marketing. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, and then sharing that information and figuring out groups within CED that, that we can share that with. Because I don't think down push of IT talking to the customers is ever going to be a good idea. Yeah, we're talking about customers that don't even like talking to our credit department, much less our IT department. I'm a lot cooler in credit. I'm a lot cooler in credit. And you don't want their money either. That's the important thing. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we have this group of upcoming young electricians here in Vero Beach that, uh, you know, they're really interested in the technology. And quite frankly, they're probably going to get the brunt of like being the first round beta testers of it for us here in Vero Beach because... You know, A, they're going to be responsive to it and they're going to crave it and they're going to be excited by it. But B, like I still have customers that like to fax and orders and they're not my target audience for this kind of stuff that we're rolling out here. So I think it's important to pick a few customers and let it, you know, work out some of the kinks in your own market and, and kind of go from there. Empower. It's, it's, I was I always use the example of it's, you know, Bob Sr. is retiring and Bob Jr. is taking over and Bob Jr. has had that cell phone in front of his face his whole life. We're going to provide those. I'm not saying that the that the industry is 100% across the boards all demanding it, but we do need to be ahead of the curve in providing it. So if Bob Jr. takes over, we got we got everything ready to rock and roll for him. Because you know, yeah, that's where he may not be as loyal as uh, as Senior was because you know he, CED probably helped Senior grow his business right through offering cash lines and the rest of it. And now we've got Bob Jr. who's I'm just looking for somebody to interact with me the way that I want to talk to my distributor and run the business. We got to be ready for both. Educating our internal folks who are in that same demographic is key and empowering them to to help PCs grow those areas where a manager may not be the the tech savvy or interested in it. Allowing some of those, those folks to get educated would be good as well. So Dan, I've noticed you always seem to be on the cutting edge of these things. Uh, is, is that because you're interested in it? You're going after it, or is it a California thing? Are they they pumping the technology that way, or is it like within your district, your division, or is it just the Dan thing? You're just interested in that. I don't. I don't think it's. I'm, I'm being asked. I think I'm putting my finger in it a lot, saying, "Hey, what's next? What can I be part of?" <laughs> I mean, Jeff knows. 
It's like, no, no, oh, yeah, he, the pros say, hey, man, we want you to be a part of this. I'm calling them saying, so what do you guys got on your roadmap that I could be a part of? <laughs> so, you know, being that, yeah, being that typical PC manager for me is, is like, I'm always interested in what's coming up next. And there's a lot of things that have been rolled out that I haven't been a part of, which is fine. But, you know, things that make sense, I think I do get pinged because we have a busy counter. We have a busy business here. And we can break things very quickly. Um, so when they're writing out, rolling out the new credit, you know, the credit memo system in, in the system, they ask us to, you know, hey, Dan, can you do this for a while and see what you think? And it doesn't work for us because we have so many cash sales. And those cash sales are bringing that material back either that day or the next day sometimes that we can't physically give them a credit in the system because it's not in there yet. So we found different ways that we can, you know, break things very quickly. Now, does it mean it's not good for the rest of the company? Absolutely not. It's great for the rest of the company. But for our PC, it just hasn't gotten there yet. Now it's going to. So with the customer portal, it was the same thing. It was like, hey, Dan, can you, you know, run with this and see what you can do? And that was, the, you know, the shop CD site. Um and now it's much better with the customer portal for sure, uh, but it's still got ways to go, as Jeff says. But it goes back to educating your staff. And what I do, and I think I told you about this before, Mike, in the last podcast, was every quarter about I do my own counter morning or counter day, where I'm out in the, on the counter. We have food or whatever we need to do to bring those customers in. And I'm talking about the customer portal. I'm talking about Avachana. I'm talking about new product we just brought in for them. You know, I'm talking about ArcLight. So I'm not taking off the pedal, you know, I'm, just, I'm putting that pedal every day. I'm putting the pedal down, reminding these customers of the products that we have for them, whether it's material on the shelf or the technology that we offer. Man, I think that's just so key that you get out there and, and are the front runner for it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you take an interest in your employees and, and bettering their lives. You take an interest in the customers and making their lives easier. And, you know, maybe maybe the target for these these applications, especially the customer portal, isn't the guy that you're taking to lunch once a week who owns the whole company and you're playing golf with. Maybe it's the, the office manager that has to constantly nag us for invoices and statements and feels bad about it. And it's just the friction towards right. doing more business. You know what I mean? That's very true. I think a lot of some of these touch points aren't necessarily with the owner. You know, if we can make the, like I said, we've got some areas where they can actually pull down the, the invoice files into formats to go to their accounting system. Our best lead in may be with the accounts payable portion of these customers. Yeah. And the so the last thing we want is for the accounts payable person to be an, uh, an anti-champion, whatever that word is, uh, to, to CED saying, you know, I don't do business with CED because their invoices are so difficult to get and their statements are so difficult to get. And we're always late with them. It's not our fault. We're always paying these invoices late because... You know, we just don't get them in time. You need somebody that's a champion on your team saying, wow, CED has figured it out. They're making it so easy to do business with. Yeah. Now, are you are you able to are you are you going into the back of the sales force and kind of seeing where the, what those guys are doing? Because You could go in and ping and you can see what they're actually accessing. So un, under Salesforce, and I know, you know, Jeff could probably talk to this a little bit more. But if you're bringing up the site under Salesforce, there's an area basically for analytics that'll tell you. Yeah. How many times they've logged in and what they logged in for? Dollar amounts of orders, how many times they ping their, you know, their payables, how many invoices, all that download stuff is available in Salesforce. And again, Jeff, this is one of those things where a lot of PC managers don't understand the customer portal, especially on the Salesforce side, and that, that what's there to be used. So if you were to look at your top 10 customers using the portal and you see what they're using it for, those those are your target customers to go back out to and say, hey, I know you see, I see you love this feature. What else can we do to get you use the other features? What's not working for you? 
So I'm in it right now. I'm, I'm in a customer's profile that can see statements. Um, what is it that I need to do or where do I need to go to see this information? So you're, you're on the employee side, right? Not logging in and... and Correct, yes. Uh, and personal yes. Okay, so let's see if I can pull up the demo side too. And if the dead air is bad so for the podcast, sorry. <laughs> I got the slowest computer today. Which location are you at today, Dan? I'm at 7,700 today. Uh, which PC is that? Oh, Santa Barbara. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah, not in Galena. I'm at 70. I'm at, I'm at Santa Barbara today. And the weather's weather's nice. Sorry. Nice. Very nice. It's hot here in Florida. I'll tell you that. Hot and so, rainy. Is it? Oh, 93 outside. And raining. It's like taking a warm bath all day long. <laughs> so, Jeff, is there a way for customers to pay by credit card using the portal? Well, it absolutely 100%. Where, where did you see that you could turn on credit card payments on on the... Well, sorry. There's two areas. Okay. I, 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 you can take credit card payments for single transactions through the customer portal. The, the one thing and you can identify in the customer profile and override that. So think of it as a PC profile settings and CED net where you turn on, I do want customer portal to take new orders that can be paid via credit card, i.e., you know, basically COD customers. Um, and within the customer setting, you can go and drill those down into accounts and turn things on and off. There's also the bill trust side. Now the bill trust side is paying your invoices and statements, and that does not allow credit card payments. That is focused on ACH payments because of those, just the, the bulk nature of paying on Well, I went in under uh, websites and under e-commerce, and there's a, there's a little button there you can click that allows for credit card payments, but it seems to be a global thing. Yeah, that, that's, your, that's your PC profile settings to allow if somebody were to come in and say, I want to pick a couple things, build a card and pay with credit card. That would allow that on your site. And then you'd have to drill into one of your customers that you have set up to where you can you can make modifications to that. Yeah, uh, I played with that feature a little bit. Mm -hmm. Cash sales. Um, and Jeff, you might remind me if this has been. Um, fixed yet or not or looked at was that if you're trying to accept a cod credit card mm -hmm. cod customer is going to have the history to everything that's been ordered under cod just like your customer normally with the customer portal they can go look at their invoices now that's been fixed to, to create a guest account for every transaction right so now now they get an email with a track your order right that transaction and to be honest we isolated it down to where if a COD customer comes in and buys once twice three times and doesn't have an account that scenario would be uh, outside of it which is true true COD right if somebody's a login user then you, you set up an account for them and you also want to allow them to pay for a credit card that account right so that's the difference between a non-login user and the keep right site the very top if you if you're in um the websites 
or I have two, so you know, on yours, there's going to be a menu at the very top. And it says, see where it says website traffic at the very top almost? Gotcha. I'm with you. Go Not ahead. Under the toolbar. Just underneath the toolbar. Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah, I see it. Screen should, screen should look something like that right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got that right here in front of me. Go ahead. All right. And then if you click on the website traffic. Yeah, website traffic. Okay. That's when we start getting some analytics. And that, that's some of the beginnings of what we were putting in there from Google. So we, we initially were using the Salesforce analytics and had to move away from it because of the, the number of sites we're running and the way that we're collecting the licenses. They were just, it was too difficult to piecemeal it out to a particular PC. Uh, and to be honest, if anybody's got analytics covered on websites, so we, we moved over to that model. And they gave us a better ability to actually tie into. Uh, specific transactions and actually encode some of those analytics with uh, unique scenarios that we want to have. Like whether they are a, a, an on-account user, we can actually start piecemealing out and say, look, for on-account users, they're using more of the invoice uh, lookups versus something else. So we've, we've got some additional capabilities there. That's a good place to start, like I said, to look at those customers that are logging in frequently or more frequently than others and start pinging them to say, what can we do to make it easier for them to order online? Because they're already doing something there, you know? And so that's kind of what we do here is I, make, I keep that. And as I see new people start using it for different things, I reach out to them saying, hey, you know, we can also do this for you. Yeah. He's, getting, he's getting used to it. So that's the guy you're gonna to wanna to follow up within a week or so and say, hey, How's the site working for you? Do you need, you need additional education or can I help you walk you through some things? Well, I mean, to, to be honest, the first piece is, is getting up and running. So if you don't have a, a customer portal site, you know, the first thing is to contact the help desk and, and show some design. The, the second piece is to think about how you want to roll it out to your customers and really find out, you know, who are my friendly customers that would value from, you know, this type of interaction and, and go after it. Because some of the next phases that we have coming out, and we're, Dan, you've seen the, the native app, right? So the customer portal comes in, obviously, a web browser that's a responsive design, which means it'll interact with your computer or your tablet or your iPhone, and it will change the aspects of the screen in order to make it easier to use. But we've also built a native application that you would download, download from the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store or the App Store and be able to install it. And it actually has some additional functionality, one being the, the Quick Picker. Now, the, the Quick Picker was designed for a little bit different aspect. When you go back into that mail fitting that had the, the couple different parts, but they all needed to be the same size, it's the same aspect, but the original kind of design for it was a little bit thinking about a contractor staring at a wall and thinking, I got to do a half-inch conduit run from a power source over in the bottom left-hand corner, I've got to go up to the ceiling and I've got to, you know, do an angled joint around every single one of the beams and do a four-way square box on uh, every 12 feet. And then I've got a destination over down the right-hand side and being able to see that and quickly pull up a single uh, page within uh, a tablet scenario, 
set it to half-inch ENT run, and then see all of his compression fittings, his elbows, the conduit, so on and so forth, to where all they're doing is picking quantities. Um, but the same scenario could happen with something like what you're talking about, where I'm looking for, it takes six parts, but they all need to be half-inch, and I'd love to be able to build those, and sometimes I'm going to need six of them, sometimes I might need one of them, but either way, it's bridging that gap between it's easier for them to say half inch first and then list the six parts. Same thing, search. I mean, take that from a human aspect into a digital aspect. And I don't want to have to search half inch this, half inch that, half inch, you know, all six parts. I'd rather say half inch, see what, you know, goes into those and, and to your point kind of goes with. But we've also got a scenario where we can design a page that helps build those things. That, that also has a, uh, a component for doing wire, wire reels. You guys cut color feeders in your PC? We do not either, but I know several PCs that do. So think of a color feeder being selected, right? You can have a, a two, three, five, you know, colors going on a reel and having a customer be able to pull up and it's a visual representation of a reel. They start picking their colors in their wire. They, you know, have some additional uh, parameters they can put, like go ahead and put a wire pull on it, so on and so forth, and then actually submit that as an order as well. So it's bridging those gaps of, it, to be honest, it's reducing the amount of communication that I have to do with my fingers by typing and putting it more into a relationship like you would do by verbally speaking to somebody or visually having it represented quickly to you. That's another aspect we're putting. And that's where the, the native device gives us a little bit more flexibility and uh, having a much more user uh, rich environment. I like it. I think it's great. I think it suits in perfectly with our business model. You know, every PC is going to interact with this a little bit differently. It's going to be, it's going to be whatever the PC needs it to be. And you guys are always there to listen to complaints and uh, you know, it, it's been really, it's been such an eye-opening experience for me to come into this industry and see what we used to have and how we keep progressing. And I'm so glad you came on board right when I got to Vero Beach because I've just seen this upward trajectory of innovation and growth and uh, developments. And, you know, we can vote for topics now and we can v vote up things that we think is important from the field. Um, the perception used to always be that CD would let other people figure out all the bugs in the system and uh, and roll out a product that's like almost perfect at a lower expense, but now it's not that. Well, and for me, I'm not looking to go ever after bleeding edge technology, but there's definitely a lot of tried true technology that we haven't yet quite implemented effectively across to a broad scale. And I want to look to help, you know, specifically with those types of scenarios. We don't use a barcode scanner. I don't know. Do you, you use one, Dan, out there in California? We haven't gotten there yet. I'm waiting for the uh, shelf labels to get revamped. Yeah, give me a couple of months and we'll do we'll another podcast on that one. I'll have better things to say. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, as long as you have a magnifying glass and a scanner, you're going to be going. <laughs> It was the old, but these labels, they already have these labels. I'm like, well, you know, we can issue a new label. It's okay. We yes. can, we can figure out how to, how to meet both, both needs. Yeah, yeah. Put the magnifying glass in front of the barcode scanner just to get it to work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'd figure it out eventually. You know, one of the things, one of the things that I'd, I'd like to, to kind of include for people that are listening to this is that, you know, just like an SME, 
I think for for like-minded, uh, you know, Dan and yourself and anybody listening that's that's interested in figuring out how we can use some of the technologies we've already got in place, building, and I, I don't mind hosting or, or facilitating, you know, some, and I can bring obviously some talent from an education perspective to help, you know, infuse you guys with, with knowledge. Um, you know, we can put out videos and we can do some of the other small pieces, but really, just like Lawrence does with the SMEs on the uh, the SPA side, you know, I could see a little SME group, not not from a responsibility perspective, but more from a knowledge sharing perspective and a get the, the people who really are interested in getting this up and running and getting them in a room with a, a good trainer from the, the customer pool side. Dude, like, like, you know, Dan, I know you know Mark Watley, you know, our client would be one of them. You know, and he would love, and so would Pretty, and so would you know, some of the other folks on Customer Portal love an opportunity to find people who really want to go forth. Because we spend, and, I, and I'll say it out loud, we probably want to edit this out. We spend a lot of time going through a lot of training with folks who ultimately never. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I if I put more focus into folks who are like, like yourselves, ready to go at it, that's what I'm looking to do. Right. I think one way we can maybe tackle that. Is, yeah, we have a division meeting coming up in August. That's a combination of our small division, but also Zach's and um, Patrick's. And I know you've oh, had yeah? division meetings before, but actually, oh, yeah. a place to recruit a little bit to say, "Hey, this is what we're doing." But if you're interested in being involved, come and see me afterwards. Give me your name. Give me, you know, let me reach out to you so that we can create that little community. Because you'll probably see four or five person people out of division. Most guys are going to be like, I'll wait till it's, you know, out there and somebody tells me about it versus I want to know yeah. more about it before it gets to the showroom floor. <laughs> exactly. And you'll let those people that are interested in doing that, you know, come to you versus trying to seek them out so much. Yeah, I think that's the way to go with it. You really can't pressure or put pressure on people to come up and, and try to be innovative. You really have to just find the people that are already interested in it. And now, guys, I just appreciate your time. I, I really hope that uh, we can do this again sometime and, uh, you know, wish you the best of luck in, in all you're doing for CED. Keep up the good work. I think that, uh, you know, I know that my PC still has a long way to go to get fully on board with some of these issues and topics and opportunities, really. But um, we're going to keep striving. We're going to keep moving forward and, uh, and and really appreciate that you guys are on the forefront of this and, uh, you know, pushing it down to us in a way that we can understand and be ready for when when we are ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my customers are getting younger and younger. It's, you know, I've got I've got customers now that were born after I got out of high school, you know, so it's like um, I, can't, I can't rely on my business to, to stay where it's at. It can't be stagnant. It's got to be moving forward. And so I look to those guys to, to say, hey, what are you guys going to be needing and looking for um, in the next 10 years? And so and I think this is part of it. And uh, I mean, for you, Mike, I think it's one of those things where having a strong relationship with the IT department, you know, I'm not saying call Jeff every day, but if you pinged him, every, every day. Day, you pinged him once a month or, you know, once every, every so often saying, Hey, what's on the roadmap, you know, what's interesting, you know, he's very you're welcoming to, you know, putting that back out. You say, Hey, this is what's kind of on our roadmap and this is where we're kind of going. And if you hear some fun things you might look forward to this you know, coming out very soon. Yeah. So We've actually getting a lot of good feedback. We're actually looking to upgrade it and give uh, a newer system that gives us a little bit more capabilities. You know, to be honest, when we first went down the path of getting approval, you know, it was um, 
it's, it's a slippery slope, right? The more you listen, then the more folks you're going to say, hey, I, you know, I got 10 votes on mine. Why is mine not done, right? Mm-hmm. I think as we looked at it critically and said, you know what, this is the demand from the field. And, and this is the probably the, the honeypot we need to most tap into of anything else. It's, it's been a, a win-win, I think, on both sides. So we're looking actually to invest a little bit more in that, that technology and, and get some more capabilities for us being able to get more visibility to it um, and being able to differentiate between voters and viewers and uh, different aspects like that. So we're getting a lot of good feedback and, and getting ready to roll out for the next version of that as well. Well, hey guys, I appreciate your time. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thank yeah. you for being a part of the uh, the GetWire podcast experience. And uh, you know, we're going to continue to bring these episodes to you and make sure that they're full of valuable content and uh, hopefully a little entertaining at the same time. You know, maybe just mix it up a little bit. <laughs> we got. You. I'll, we I'll, got I'll, you. Yeah, I'll ping you in a little bit, Mike, and maybe we'll set up something for next month on another topic. Yeah, let's so, do it. Great. Let's make it happen. And I can bring it. I, dude, I got a lot of people smarter than me. <laughs> no, they're not as much fun as you, Jeff. Well, that's the idea, right? Uh, they're definitely better jokes than me. I just got dad jokes. That's what my kids tell me. <laughs> oh, man, you got a favorite dad joke you're working on right now? <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I mean, wait, which age? I got a spectrum of children, so which age range do you want? Because I can go from... Right here, I'll just I'll use one of my youngest childs to keep it PC for the office. Yeah, let's go PG thirteen. What's a cow without legs? Cow without legs. Ground beef. <laughs> oh man, ground yeah, beef. Yeah, that's a dad joke, right there. Yeah, that's a dad joke. That's a great. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks guys. I'll be in touch and uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks, we'll talk Jeff. to you I'll soon. See you later this week. Thanks for listening. Absolutely appreciate it, guys. It was great. I'm your host, Mike Burkhardt, and this has been an episode of the Get Wired Podcast. Stay tuned for more.